Should we talk about some good news real quick? Did you guys see that uh, KDE 5.22 popped out today? A bug fix release, really. Uh, it's a new month of uh, work, though, so that's always interesting. Uh, and some GTK3 stuff has been cleaned up, for those of you who have a mix. KWIN's got some fixes as well. So there you go. And look at the screenshot. It's really coming along. KDE 5.2 is looking sharp. I still have a, I still I, I still find GNOME to be a little bit uh, a little bit more high DPI friendly, but uh, I, I keep trying out uh, the Plasma Five desktop as well. So yeah, if you guys didn't notice, uh, the, the five point two two just uh, dropped today. Uh, so uh, now we've had a little more, a couple more people show up. Did anybody make it to uh, Kansas Linux Fest this last uh, week? Nobody. I know Tyler made it, but Tyler's not here today. Uh, he was there rocking some JB swag. But I did see a, a blog post that I'll link in the show notes. They did a roundup of Kansas Linux Fest. It looks like they uh, had a uh, attendance of about 130 folks who signed up through Everbright. And uh, it was the first annual Kansas Linux Fest. That's really wow. cool. And I know I noticed you saw this on G Plus too, Matt. Um, yeah, I actually thought it was it was a really cool picture and a great with a blog post that I thought was interesting. So yeah. I wanted to share that. And yeah. uh, it looks like it could have been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'll be curious to see how this uh, fest grows. And if you're in the area and maybe be interested in going next year, check out the uh, – Blog post, you can also check out OpenKansas.us and KansasLinuxFest.us. And they have a uh, IRC channel on Freenode, uh, Pound Open Kansas. But uh, KansasLinuxFest.us looks like it's the uh, domain of the uh, of the fest, but it wasn't loading at the time of the show right now. So I don't know if it's uh, down or what. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Kansas Linux Fest, you know, it's early. I wouldn't say it's one we're going to go to yet, but uh, it's exciting to see another one pop up and watch it go. So we'll keep Absolutely. an eye on it. And maybe uh, in the future – oh, there, look at that. Their site just loaded. Uh, and uh, maybe in the future we'll have a viewer uh, stop by and uh, give us a report on how it went. In fact, if you ever go to an event, um, you know, like uh, anything uh, in your area that's a Linuxy or open source event and want to come back and give us a report, we'd love to hear it. We're trying to give more exposure to this kind of stuff. We're really neat. Especially the stuff we don't get a chance to go to that's across the pond. That's stuff that we really love to hear about because that makes me really jealous. I get really jealous, <laughs> man. <laughs> I just want to exactly. fly. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's powered by steak and eggs. My name is Chris. And my name is Matt. Hey there, Matt. I, I went to the little uh, restaurant, uh, the mom and pop restaurant by the studio called Ellie's. And uh, it uh, they, nobody, nobody makes a better breakfast sirloin than, than Ellie's, Matt. I mean, it is just so good. So today... I'm protein. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go to solve some problems uh, in today's episode. Episode 85 is all is going to be uh, it's going to be a little navel gazing, a little reflective, a little sausage factory this week. Why? Well, we do have some really great feedback to get to, including a make good that I think is definitely important. We make a correction on, uh, and then I, I, if I can be selfish, I don't think I've really ever done this before. Uh, I want to spend part of the show today discussing buying my son his first official Linux laptop for his sixth birthday that comes up later in April. He, right now he's on like a tablet. I've had him on a Chromebook. And uh, he's really just kind of getting frustrated with uh, some of the uh, games and stuff. And I just want to get him a nicer computer. But where do you start with something like this? Something that's not a lot of money, something that's rugged, but something that will be a good Linux experience. And I'm thinking maybe a laptop, maybe a desktop, maybe a NUC. So I'll discuss it with uh, the Mumble Room and Matt, and we'll maybe we'll all walk yeah. away with a good idea of what would make a good starters Linux computer. Excellent. Yeah, uh, and maybe specifically for kids, maybe not. 
But uh, we'll do that coming up uh, later on in the show. Also, uh, we're going to just discuss a little bit of our coverage of distributions and see if we should make some adjustments, if we've given too much attention to some distributions. So like I said, a little navel-gazing. But I hope at the end of that discussion, we'll not only kind of have an idea of what what we cover and why we cover it and maybe what we could change, but maybe we'll walk away with a little bit of a mutual understanding of uh, the distributions we think are most relevant today. We'll see. That's a little ambitious. I don't know if we'll get that far, but it's something to try. Uh, but before we start, uh, let's bring in our Mumble Room because they're here today fired up to help us get through everything. Time-appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Hello. Uh, hello. Good afternoon. <laughs> hello. Hello. Wow. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's really good to have you here. Uh, and I'm glad you are because our first email, I wanted to discuss with uh, you all this whole secure boot hoopla. We talked about it on this week's Linux Action Show, but I wanted to get it from the folks, too. So Liam writes in to kick off the conversation about Alt OS Lockout, as he calls it. I'm very new to Linux, he says. I'm interested in finding out a solution to a potential alternative OS lockout. It's been years since I built my own PC, and I'm not very technical to begin with. If this is eventually implemented, how would someone like me install Linux on a laptop? Would this make it harder for System76 or people like System76 to deal with this? And, of course, he links us to this uh, this Ars Technica article about Windows 10 making secure boot um, more of a reality by telling vendors they no longer have to leave an option to turn it off. Mm. Uh, and, uh, Matt, I wanted to just kind of – so let's start here. You've been around for a while. You've seen Microsoft uh, at their wor- the best and their worst, uh, literally and uh, figuratively. Do you suppose uh, this is Microsoft's sneaky way to try to lock down what used to be the open PC market to make it a Windows market? Or is this an overreaction by the tech press? It's – well, it's – the end result is that it could end up being a uh, situation where there's some lockdown. Is it intentional? I don't think, honestly, they care. I mean, they, they do and they don't, but I think they realize that you know they're actually setting themselves up for trouble. Say, like uh, perhaps in the EU, where you know they've been known to be dragged through the antitrust mm. uh, suit mm. woods a few times. Mm. I don't think it's intentional, but I think that. It's one of those things where they see it as an opportunity. I think they like to kind of set it up. They know it's gonna. They know. They know what it does. They know it's gonna happen. But I don't think that was the purposeful reasoning behind it. I think it was just kind of a happenstance. But I'm sure they're they're not gonna lose any sleep over it. So. I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll I'll tip it over to the uh, mumble room then, and uh, maybe I'll bounce it to Wimpy first. Uh, just kind of coming from a distro developer standpoint, and as somebody who's been working really hard on uh, PowerPC uh, hardware, where they have their own unique kind of firmware, something very different that makes it a challenge to work with it specifically. It's not designed to lock you out, but it is very different. And so, Wimpy, when in that context, when you look at Secure Boot and you, make it, you look at making what is a fairly open platform, the x86 platform, as far as installing har- uh, operating systems goes... When you make it, when you look at something that could make that harder, does it give you pause? Does it give you concern? It does. Yes. Um, this feels like the extinguish in the three E's. Frankly, mm. doesn't it? Yeah. The, um, the extend, you know, embrace, my, or embrace. Microsoft extend love and, Linux so yeah. much; they're gonna, they're gonna, gonna try and cut us off. Um, it's interesting the secure boot stuff. In in principle, it's a good idea. Um, but yes, if you make it more difficult for people that have bought their commodity hardware to install Linux, then that is is going to have an effect on uh, Linux adoption. And, you know, when you look at the server space, there's almost no secure boot or uh, EFI um, Mm. systems in the server space. It's all traditional BIOS because, frankly, just about every server that anyone sells ends up running Linux these days. So why would you put those things on that platform that make it harder and more cumbersome to work with. 
So yes, uh, I have looked at this Microsoft announcement and it does give me cause for concern. Um, I think that this is potentially damaging and we'll just have to see how things play out. Because the other thing, of course, is is that there are distributions that even now can't do secure boot. Correct, um, right. And the big players all can. And with if this feature becomes, you know, mandated, then I think what you're going to find is there's not going to be so many boutique distros anymore. You know, you may actually see the Linux distro choice um, sort of collapse a little bit exactly around the major distributions. About. Yes, because now this is assuming this takes off and we are in a place where the majority of the marketplace now has this technology in place. Uh, and so if Quiet. you accept those two factors and you accept that could happen, which would really only take time, really, is the only thing you just have to go out a few years. Yeah, wouldn't it make it extremely harder for a small startup distribution, perhaps someone even the size of Ubuntu Mate, from getting like this signed key? And is there, is there, isn't there challenges and hurdles there? How would that work? I, I, to be honest with you, all I know is that as an Ubuntu flavor, I benefit from the work that Ubuntu have done partnering with Microsoft to get the signing keys so that they can have signed kernels. And I just get that for free as a you know derivative, as, a, as an official and we, flavor. We, but we certainly so, know that not everybody gets that advantage. No, exactly so. Um, and that, you know, that could, you know, stifle some some innovation because, you know, if you look at distributions like evolve os with their budgie desktop they've they're not doing secure boot at the moment it's something that they're planning to add but then they've got you know if they have additional hurdles to jump through they may struggle in the in the new you know the new world order let's Mm -hmm. assume worst case scenario in actually getting you know their kernel um, signed so that it can operate in this environment and that, that would be a shame because you know they're doing interesting work and lots of people get to benefit and get inspired by what some of these other distributions do so you know I looked at some of the the more um, design centric distributions to get some ideas and things and if they're not there then it makes the, you know the Linux ecosystem all that more bland and uninteresting, which right. would be um, a real shame. It would slow down the pace of innovation. Uh, let's get uh, Akotai, Akosotai, Akohai, uh, Akotahi. Akathi. Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> go ahead. Yep. What do you want to say? <laughs> well, I'm just going to say that there's not really much that they're going to do. Uh, the reason why I'm saying that is because <laughs> there are plenty of people that have already invested in having Linux run into their daily lives especially on like the business side. So when you try to set up servers or try to set up uh, consumer products with secure boot, they still need to put in an option to get rid of secure boot if needed, because it would be kind of like a anti-competing mm-hmm. kind of thing, especially, especially see, like monopoly laws. In that scenario, couldn't you see like anything above a certain price point in most cases would have that menu flip? But machines like the Stream PC that you're seeing from HP right now that's $200 that ships with Windows 8.1 with Bing, ding. No. The reason why I say that is because there's plenty of startups that need to have a low budget. And forcing people to choose Microsoft, it would be, you know, that would just not go through. I don't see it going. Oh, I don't know. 
they, they're not forcing you to do anything. If you want a $200 stream PC, then you get one that's subsidized by Microsoft because Microsoft has helped subsidizing that cost. If you want to spend more than $200 and want something that's not locked down, that's fine. That's your choice. You can go get something else. Uh, and it's not much different than what Google does with the Chromebooks. It's not impossible to put Linux on there, but you know it's not really what Google wants you to do. And they're slowly taking steps to make to lock that down a little bit more at a time. I I uh, I'll go to uh, Colton. Go ahead, Colton. Drg, you wanted to add something in there. Um. Yeah. I I just the whole EFI thing. Ever since you know we started seeing it in the in the uh, consumer PC market, it's kind of been something that I am. I don't know if I want to say I'm I've, I'm kind of like I just I don't it, it's it's kind of scared me a little bit almost just because just the way it it works with the operating system to lock everything down and so like when I got my new computer the first thing I did or when I got when I built my new computer the first thing I did is I went into the motherboard settings and I turned EFI off because <laughs> I would just rather deal with yeah. legacy BIOS yeah. and not have to think about I've that whole that EFI thing. Yeah, I've I've also done that as well because you know what honestly it just makes it easier for me. Uh, I, I actually curious uh, Wimpy to hear about your perspective working with the uh, OEMs. Yeah, so um, in the not too distant future, Ubuntu Mate will be available uh, pre-installed on um, a range of OEM hardware. Cool. And if you look at um, distributions like Linux Mint and uh, Black Lab, they've already they've already got a history of working with OEMs as a means of you know shipping their distributions pre-installed on hardware to sidestep some of this complexity. True. And I think I think all the distributions are going to have to have some sort of um, hardware vendor agreement wow because it may well get harder and harder to you know do home hacking solutions and if there's enough distributions working with oems with linux friendly hardware then it might be that the the barrier to entry is the cost of buying a computer that's ready to run linux that that scares me a lot you know uh uh and i I don't. We don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's so important what could happen that it might be a little bit worth worrying about right now because what we are talking about fundamentally is, uh, you know, I grew up and got the exposure to all of the technology and all the different operating systems I did because I wasn't restricted growing up playing with things. So, you know, I would do things like run DOS for a little while, and then I would try BIOS for a little while, and then I would try some sort of crazy other operating system, and then I would try the Mac for a little while and be like, oh, really, I can't really do a lot with this. This isn't as much fun. Let me go try this other platform that lets me do the things I want so I can learn more. And it would keep drawing me back to the PC platform over the Mac every single time. So I, 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 I fear that this kind of transition would fundamentally limit the um, potential exploration that future generations could do. That scares me a little bit. Uh, well, yeah. So, so If I have to buy a machine a first, it's already preloaded for me. That's not yeah, – that's a great solution for yeah. grandma, I agree. And it's good and I'm really but, excited for you. I'm not putting it down. But what I'm saying is that kind of leaves me a little sad. So – a couple of things. Uh, it's all been a bit dreary and gloomy. But if you've bought yourself a computer pre-installed with Linux, then that means it's capable of being installed with any, um, you know, flavor distribution of Linux. So that's that's good. But I think what's going to happen is, if the PC gets locked down, 
uh, fine, maybe it's time to kiss the PC era goodbye and let mm. Microsoft have it because these ARM devices are kicking on time after time. We've got the 64-bit ARM CPUs now. Uh, things like the Raspberry Pi 2 and the Odroid C1, whilst not powerhouses, are very low-cost uh, yeah. entry devices yeah. that yeah. you can run a range of operating systems on and they could well be the platforms that the next generation experiment with and yeah. tinker on and there already and are maybe really. and maybe you know our linux future is on these uh, embedded so- I, arm that's devices. crossed my mind as well you might be very right all right let's give heaven's revenge Ooh. a chance to talk me down go ahead heaven's you guys are really over-exaggerating this, as you can self-sign your own <laughs> kernel, and you can boot it anyway, even with secure boot enabled. As long as you... it's Even if they try to put secure keys in the firmware, do you think they're going to keep us out of it? We can just sign it with those keys. Sure, it's sure. It's very easy to probe hardware. I, I kind of... Though, I kind of feel like... And even so, this is a... Most things for secure boot is good. One, it keeps that nasty little NSA that all of you always care and worry about out by keeping the secure Oh, I, I disagree with that. But no, okay. that's not going to keep them from squad. <laughs> if the company does it, and they have their own self-created images, and it can just give more determinism to the whole system. Oh, There's a man. Lot of secure, well, I agree with that part. You're right. Yeah, here. That, There's a lot of stability, and it's almost like CoreOS for yourself instead of just for the corporate environment. Um, uh, Colonel Linux, did you want to jump in? Did you have uh, something you, do you wanted to respond to there? Because I have. Well, yeah, I mean, essentially, basically, we've lived without Secure Boot for the last 20-some years. Nothing bad's ever happened. I, I just, I feel like it is a solution to a problem that never really existed. Well, I mean, there are... Yeah, they are th- trying to do it more than, or trying to apply the problem to way more than it ever needs to be. Right, well, it's let me back exaggerating. Up. So what heavens what I what I fundamentally disagree with is your premise that it's not that hard to get around. You, you can self-sign etc cetera, etc. Cetera. It's kind of oh, yeah. like it's easy. Well, I that's kind of like saying well, it's, it's kind of like saying, well, well Linux doesn't support my wireless card, but if I patch and rebuild my kernel, it works no problem. It's really easy. It, yes, it technically it is very easy to do that. But to tell somebody who is learning Linux for the first time, oh, yeah, you could totally load Linux on your rig. You just have to have a self-signed certificate first. That is going to blow their yeah. brain out. You know, they're not going to have any idea what to do with that. Yeah, it'll definitely <clears throat> prevent new adoption from people who don't know how but to But that's what I'm fundamentally worried about is I'm worried about that user who buys a PC running Windows, says this isn't good enough. I want something better. Here's about this Linux thing, this Ubuntu thing, whatever, goes to install it and can't. Well, this thing is actually scriptable. All you need to do is run a simple script because it's all automatable. Even though it would be a single step before installing the secure boot kernel, it would be just one step. It wouldn't be that much of a hard situation to like learn some command line options or yeah. installing packages. It's just an extra step that is an inconvenience. And I'm not obviously the. I was just making who me. I was just making a comparison. Like you, a lot of times, we say things are easy to us, but they're that's not necessarily means they're easy to everybody else. And it's but that's it's not like a little right. difference though. It's like a fundamentally they. There's not an option for them. Well, and that's something I wanted to touch on a little bit. There was a time that I actually used to do um, various uh, screencasts and things like that, showing people how to install Linux because it was you know for the most part BIOS was pretty unified. It was pretty stupid easy to do. Nowadays, I gave it up. 
Why? Because every single solitary implementation of Secure Boot is friggin' different on every friggin' computer. I can't – what I'm looking at may not be the same as the other guy's looking at. I mean, Asus has got their thing and the other guy's got their thing. You know, it, It's already a huge hurdle, and now yeah. we're adding an additional thing to it. Honestly, I'm kind of to the point to where, great, now we're forcing people to buy computers supporting an operating system that supports us. Fantastic! I'm on board. Yeah, I think I'm, <laughs> I'm. I'm to that point now, out of frustration. I'm down with Wimpy. It's like uh, I think it's the twenty-five dollar yeah. Raspberry Pis and the thirty-five dollar. Yeah. Uh, you know, all these, all these, you know, sub hundred dollar boards, hundred fifty dollar boards. It's really going to be where people experiment. So yep. I, that gives me some hope. Um, and as far as the charitable cases to where they're not able to afford a new computer, there are, and increasingly more of them, um, organizations out there that will right. help you get refurbished of hardware. And I so, guess you know there are solutions. What I wanted to say is I. Uh, and I okay, Colonel Links. I agree. It's not a MacBook Pro, but for experimentation and learning purposes, it works. But I guess here's the point I wanted to end on: is really what this tells me is that if we really care about this, then uh, uh, we as users should probably begin looking into the free BIOSes and figure out what yep. which one we want to back. Uh, you know, yes. like Core Boot and all these other ones that are out there that uh, are like uh, I forget what ships on the is it Core Boot that ships on the Chromebooks. You guys remember? I think it's core boot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's different. We, th- this is an alternative, and maybe if there's a way we could get it to a point where we could, I don't know, with secure boot, if it would be possible to replace the firmwares. But if we can continue to drive that forward, that might also be a solution for us. It's not perfect yet, but it's it's out there in the wild. It's shipping, so yeah, yeah. That's enough to start. There is so so you know what they always say when Microsoft closes a door, open source always opens a window. Wait a minute, is that? Not sure that's the right thing. Usually with a crowbar, but yes. <laughs> hey, Matt, let's take a minute here and talk about DigitalOcean because they rock and they're a sponsor of the Linux Unplugged show. Go over to DigitalOcean and check them out and bring our promo code of power with you. That's DO Unplugged. DO Unplugged, one word, lowercase, will get you a $10 credit over at DigitalOcean. Now, why, my friends, would you want a $10 credit? I'll tell you why. It's like magic in your pocket but in the cloud and not in your pocket at all. They're a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up your own cloud server. You can get started in less than 55 seconds. And pricing plans start $5 a month. $5! Five, $5? You know what? I I spend more on apples. When I go get apples now, like not, not computers. <laughs> I mean like the red fair. ones that you eat. Like, right, right. All right? Like it is so crazy that I can do this for $5 a month. It blows my brain organ all over the wall here. It's all over the soundproofing now. And in 55 seconds, you're going to get that thing up and spinning. It's crazy, right? You're going to get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one terabyte of transfer. Did you hear me say SSD? Because they're all SSDs. I think I need to – I got to say that again. They're all SSDs. Now, why does that matter? Well, you see, back in my day, if you wanted really good performance and you wanted to have like a database and your website all on one array, you would be crazy to have that on a single drive. It just wouldn't work unless, unless you didn't have very much traffic, which that's kind of sad. But if you had some traffic, you needed to have that on a storage array. You're probably going to have that either fiber attached or SCSI attached or, God forbid, maybe iSCSI if you've got a separate network with its own de- dedicated gigabit switch. And this is serious money for one of these SANs. That's crazy. And when you're doing co-low hosting and things like that, it drives the cost up way more because then you also have to pay for that to be in the rack. When DigitalOcean came along, they looked at all of the technologies like Linux and KVM and the best web standards, the best Linux distributions, and, of course, the best storage I.O., and that's SSDs. That's why they're SSDs throughout the entire infrastructure. You combine that with their incredible bandwidth of their Tier 1 data centers, and it freaking rocks. They've got data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London, and they do a lot of mirroring to make things faster for like some of the repo updates. It's, it's, just, it's crazy great 
service. You combine that with their amazing, simple, and intuitive control panel, which you can replicate the functionality of that control panel on a larger scale with their API. There's tons of great apps around the API. It's amazing how freaking productive, how much you can get done, how much infrastructure is at your fingertips for such a low price point. All of that in one place powered by Linux, and you can try it out for two months for free when you use our promo code DOUnplugged. DOUnplugged will get you a $10 credit. You try out the $5 rig, two months for free. Go put CoreOS on there, or go put Ubuntu 14.04 on there. Try something out for a while with a good long-term support. Do the updates, deploy own cloud, try out their one-click installations for things like GitLab. It's a really awesome service, and it's perfect for our audience. DigitalOcean.com, and use the promo code DOUnplugged when you check out. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean. Go have some fun, guys. Uh, and I love also hearing about what you use them for. So keep sending those into the show as well. Uh, it sometimes gives me ideas. I think it's, you know, for me, it's the limitless possibilities that you can use it for. It's like here the other day, I wanted to see if I, uh, I did a long time ago, I did an article on, on Moodle and I wanted to see, you know, what that would look like on running on DigitalOcean. It was stupid easy. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and, and how fast it is when you're running your updates and stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. And, you know, they just put out a really great tutorial. Uh, I'll link it in the show notes about how to resize your DigitalOcean droplets, uh, which yes. is really, really nice, which I had to do kind of recently for my own cloud one because I've been putting stuff in own cloud. <laughs> so yes, uh, yes, yes. check it out. Hey, okay, let's do uh, a correction on the sync thing thing. Oh, okay. Uh, we've talked about uh, sync thing a lot, and um, we got a couple of emails about that. So he says, I want to drop you a line to correct an error I've heard repeated multiple times on Linux Unplugged and the Linux Action Show, I think. Sync thing is not that hard to manage anymore. People keep saying that key exchange becomes unmanageable beyond, beyond a couple of devices. This may have been true a while ago, but they've added a feature to address that exact problem starting in version 0.9.18, which I think I tracked that back to September. Oh, yeah, that's what he says. It's called intrude, or I'm sorry, introducer node. Interdrucer node. And you can read about it here. Uh, long story short, it makes it so you only have to do, do you only have to do the key exchange with one central node. And the new clients will get the keys for all your other nodes. I personally have sync things set up for seven nodes and key management has been a breeze thanks to using introducer node. So uh, to kind of maybe help you understand if you're not totally familiar with sync thing, uh, unlike uh, um, other sync products, the way you kind of add devices to sync thing is they kind of, they find out about each other and then you put them within each other's that's, I don't know what to put it, but you know, blessed areas. I, I'm losing mm-hmm. it because I haven't used it so long. But you, you kind of say, yes, this one's allowed to sync with me. Yes, this one's approved to sync with me. They're both approved with each other and then they start syncing. He's saying that they introduced this feature called introducer node. And Wimpy, I'm not sure if you've ever looked into this, but this introducer node feature kind of automates the handing out of future uh, clients. And so they talk to this introducer node, and it automatically adds them to the sync pool. Yeah, I, I, I imagine it was probably the same person that sent you this email contacted me in the week and told me about it. And I haven't installed it or tested it, but I have read about it. And it does seem to solve uh, the problem that I have um, uh, uh, misspoken about. So um, I'm, I feel like an, a chump now. Oh um, no! I mean, I think we like, both misunderstood. It like, yeah, yeah. I, it looks like it's all news to me. Have created a solution yeah. to that key exchange. That could be really issue. positive, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'm going to look at sync thing um, uh, more closely again now. Yeah, I, I think I will too. And uh, of course, the last time I looked at it, I guess was before September. I can't really remember the last time I looked at it. I thought I've looked at it more recently than that, but I didn't look for the introducer node feature. That's for I didn't know to go specifically look for that. I will say right here, if that works, 
Very excited about that because I, I very much would like to use SyncThing because everybody wants me to use SyncThing for one thing, but I also like that it's top to bottom open source, all of that jazz. Uh, so uh, thank you very much for sending that in. I'll play with that some more. And maybe, Wimpy, if you play with it and let us know too, that'd be really cool. And I have a link in the show notes if you're curious about how that works because it looks like it makes distributing files via SyncThing to a larger audience much easier. I'm still a little skeptical about how well that's going to scale and also what happens if my introducer nodes offline and things like that. But you know what? I could see like setting up the main node here at the studio and then the introducer node up like on a DigitalOcean droplet there you go. Right? And then uh, just let that run 24-7 and hand out the keys. Same Makes th- yeah. sense to me. Yeah, like kernel Linux, exactly, yeah. Same thing when my own cloud server goes down, which doesn't really ever happen. I live in, I live in 2015 and I use Linux, so I don't really <laughs> – my own cloud server doesn't really go down unless I break it. That's when it goes down. Uh, T's v to, T to the Z to the V to the I writes in uh, with one more bit – torrent sync uh, kind of follow-up thing or another sync thing follow-up thing he says i've been a jb fan since sometime in 2009 i followed last lup and tech snap religiously just a quick thank you to chris and wimpy for bringing up the BitTorrent sync issues and suggesting c file it gave me the push to make the switch my setup has an interesting twist in that i couldn't actually host the data on my do droplet due to the size and well the cost that would be there so i have the front end on do which is this is exactly something i've thought about doing and then the back end lo- on a local server connected via ssh tunnels and SSHFS. He documented his work at tspitz.com, and I'll have a link in his, you can find the link in his email in the show notes. I recently got a job offer from Rackspace, and I can definitely attribute everything I learned to you guys. Oh, oh but he declined the job. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's really <laughs> good. Cool. Pr- good problem to have. Yeah. So there you go, Wimpy. I hope that makes you feel better. Uh, to T to the Z to the V to the I, a longtime listener is Love and C file. Do you feel better? Yeah, I don't feel like such a chump anymore. Good, good, good. good. <laughs> uh, I I have not yet played with C file either, but uh, you know, I, now I just don't know what to do. I'm I'm totally I'm totally verklempt. Uh, all right, so let's do a, just a super quick Linux Fest Northwest update. I know those a lot of you aren't going, don't care, but I'm just really excited. This is like my full time job right now. It's ridiculous uh, how much time this is taking, but we're in a really good spot. It's really paying off. We've got um, obviously the uh, shirt going on right now. Teespring.com/slash/Linux. It hit its goal. And uh, I think there's still five days left to get a black and white or a red or blue and white or whatever. It's it's so sharp. Uh, Linux Action Show hoodie, uh, T-shirt, ladies' tea, kids' tea, teespring.com slash Linux. The funds raised there are helping our Linux Fest Northwest efforts. And standing at right now, I believe uh, Mr. Q5Sys' ticket has been purchased. Uh, I think Rotten Corpse, you're close. Where are you? Rotten, are you in here? Rotten? No. <clears throat> Uh, uh, Chris Moore is uh, locked in. Alan Jude is uh, locked in. Um, I think Michael Dominic is locked in now. Uh, I haven't gotten oh, the confirmation, cool. but I talked to him on Monday. It sounds like he's locked in. So uh, we're going to have uh, a lot of people out. Um, is there, are we are we missing anybody? I don't think I don't think we're missing anybody. I think we're going to have everybody. No, I'll here. be there, of course. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. Oh, okay. Of course, I didn't mention <laughs> us because we're in Washington. But yeah. of course, Matt's, exactly. Yeah, for us, it's like a drive, right? Noah's, Noah's going to be there as well. Matt's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Chase is going to be there. All of us local guys will be there, uh, and yeah. Noah's going to fly in. So uh, it's going to be all of us in one place for the first time ever. Which that's is really, really awesome. That's really cool. And so we're going to get some great local recordings. We're going to do some interviews. Uh, the Linux Fest guys have uh, volunteered a dedicated room for us to do interviews in so we can get some good uh, evergreen content for a lot of our shows. In-person interviews. We're going to try to do in-person shows as much as we can. And, of course, uh, we're going to have uh, a lot going on Friday and Saturday nights. We're going to, we're going to just go down and hang out with 
the Linux Fest after party Saturday night. It's So if you'd like to hang out with the crew and just uh, in a more relaxed setting, that's definitely the place to do it. Uh, or come to the uh, fest and say hi to us. And uh, we're going to have two days of streaming if you can't make it at jblive.tv. And it's April 25th and 26th. And you can probably tell I'm pretty excited. It's going to be really cool. And it's taking a lot of work. But uh, we're going to have uh, – it's if you can make it, it's totally going to be worth coming and see us because we're going to have the best stuff to give away at all the booths. <sighs> well, everyone that shows up always has a really great time. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, well, except for that, you that one year. I mean, that was, that's a different situation. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's been really, really cool. And it's always neat to see the people and yeah. kind of assign them, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I know your chat room handle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, see, like our, our Royal Gabe and I just had a great exchange this morning about, uh, about email. And uh, now when he comes to Linux Fest Northwest, he can give me a hard time in person, and I'll be able to immediately remember the whole exchange. <laughs> we'll have a nice laugh, and I'll feel like a jerk. Uh, so uh, mission accomplished, Matt. Yeah, yeah, that works too. <laughs> LinuxFestNorthwest.org if you want to pre-register. And, uh, but the hotels are filling up and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I'm super excited. Yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, Odyssey West. Odyssey, I hope you can make it too. Uh, I mean, I know it's a bit of a drive for you, but you got I think he is. At least that was what I heard last time i heard from him i think so i'll have to check wimpy it'd be really great if you'd go i know it's impossible but it'd be really great if you'd make it transport well, technology would solve yeah. this issue yeah i i was looking into it to be honest i really did want to try and find a way yeah I've, yeah it's just crazy it's i know uh what we need is like one of those uh, telepresence robots that you could yes. just like uh, skype into <laughs> that would be awesome <laughs> All right. I so, want a Jitsi robot. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Jitsi into exactly. Yeah, well, there I would assume go. it would run Linux. So, yes, uh, of course. Yeah. All right. Well, that's probably enough about Linux Fest Northwest. I'm just crazy excited about it, and uh, we'll have clips and stuff in the shows. But uh, mm-hmm. we uh, we got to uh, solve a few problems for me. Uh, I got. I tell you what, Matt. Uh, I have uh, I have reached the point where it is time to replace, maybe introduce, the most important Linux computer of my lifetime. But before we get to that. I got to thank Ting. And I really mean I've got to thank Ting. Ting, thank you. Thank you for saving me so much money over the last two years. Thank you for challenging the duopoly of the mobile industry. And Ting, thank you. Thank you so much for actually having the will to fight that fight. Because I I, I tell you, it wears on me. It does wear on me. Uh, And Ting, the reason they make a difference is they're challenging sort of the status quo, and they're just – by doing it in just the most direct and honest way possible, it's no contracts, no early termination fees for Ting's service. They're a, they're a mobile service that truly makes sense. They have CDMA and GSM coverage available, so definitely check out their coverage map. There's just a flat rate for your phone. It's $6 a month for the phone line, and then you just buy your phone and you just put it on the account. So the phones are unlocked because you own the phone outright. You just put it on the Ting service, $6 a month. And then it's just your usage on top of that. It is as basically as bare and raw, just like you own the whole process if you want, or you can work hand in hand with their no hold customer service. And that's what I like about it. Is you know I've got the Nexus Five. I just put Lollipop Five Point One on there. I put the Ting GSM SIM in there. I'm doing this all on my own. I'm not talking to anybody because they have an incredible website that walks me through all of this stuff. And now I have unbelievable speeds. Unbelievable. I. Uh, uh, I Oh, at, at Chase's house, 106 megabits a second download on the GSM service. 106 megabits on the GSM service. Unbelievable speeds. I don't even know how – like I, I, I mean I'm going to have to retest it. It's so incredible because like at my house, I'm getting like 25 megabits. I'm, I'm like that's great. I'm getting 25 megabits. Yeah, buddy. But at Chase's, like what? So anyways, I, I've had incredible <laughs> performance. Even like in the spots where I've had low performance, it's, it's been improved. It is really great. 
regardless of what my speeds are, I am super thrilled because I'm only paying for what I use. And Ting's dashboard lets me manage all of that. And I actually have used their Android app to send me a push alert if I go over like two gigs, which that's just so I know. And you can really kind of play around with it and see kind of what you would pay by going over to linux.ting.com. That'll take $25 off your first device. Click on their savings calculator, plug your current usage information in there and see how much you would save over like a two-year contract period. And then keep in mind, too, that Ting has early termination relief programs to help you get out of a contract if you're in one. Now, as these devices become more and more important to me, and I have more and more things that I do with my uh, device. So like uh, with my Nexus 5, for example, it does sort of personal things for me. It tracks my sleep, including like recording my noises I make at night. Hello. Uh, It talks (laughs) to my car, right? And it tracks everywhere I drive using automatic and if then, then that and logs that to spreadsheets. Uh, it has become a very personal computer device to me that has things on it that nothing else holds. And to me, as I think more about how the technology I, ref- I use reflects on me as a person, just like that article Dan Gilmore wrote and why he switched to Linux from Windows, Ting plays a role in that for me too. And that's why I say thank you to Ting. Go to linux.ting.com, take $25 off your first Ting device, or go get a Ting SIM card. They'll give you a $25 service credit. That'll probably pay for more than your first month. And now when you're on Ting, you can do CDMA or GSM and think about the flexibility that gives you. And don't forget, every Ting plan includes hotspot and tethering. That could be really wicked. Or you can just get a GSM SIM and pop it in like a, an old tablet or a security device. During the pre-show, I got a, I was, somebody told me, you know, I just had a, I had a Nexus 7 tablet. I wasn't using the GSM SIM, so I got a Ting one for $9, and now when I use the data, I have it. Linux.ting.com. Big thanks to Ting. You know, you think back to the early days of cellular and how you were just excited if you actually got coverage <laughs> in your area. Yeah. And then you think about what you do with your smartphone through Ting nowadays. I mean, and, you, and you hold that as in like a comparison. It's just mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's it's a new era. I mean, it's, it it's really is, not to make man. it sound old, but it, it just does freaking blow my mind. <laughs> I, uh, I remember su- suitcase phones. Man, Matt, speaking of, speaking of the early days, I think it used to be easier to buy a computer for kids than it is today. Oh, like, yeah. I, I was so. looking around and I don't – okay, so uh, I, I my son, Dylan, uh, his birthday is uh, coming up. It's uh, 20 days away as from when we record this episode of Linux Unplugged. And uh, here's here's what I'm doing, right, man? I'm I'm shucking and jiving because the conversation comes up. Dylan's got an iPad, and his iPad's kind of old. Right. Okay. So that, that seems pretty. It's like okay, that's a matter of fact. There's no debating that. And sure. so Angela suggests uh, maybe we want to buy a new iPad for him. And hmm. I think to myself, hmm. I think yes. Well, uh, maybe I would like to buy a new iPad. And I think, right. uh, could I be okay with? Buying another iPad for my son, and I think to myself, right. like, "Yeah, I can, I can, I can do that. I can, you can stomach that. I don't, yeah. I don't need to." And I thought about it some more, and I thought about it some more, and I thought, "No, I'm, I'm actually not really okay with that." I mean, I don't have any judgments out there if you want to buy one. That's fine. Me yeah. personally, I just, I didn't want to do that. Plus, plus, my son has been enjoying using an actual computer more than the tablet these days, including uh, playing Minecraft on the computer. So I thought, I said to myself, I said, "Self, this is your opportunity to strike." This is the moment. This is where you leap in. The iPad's got to be replaced. You get him on <laughs> Linux. He wants to use a desktop machine. He's got a dedicated Minecraft rig. But it's all about the execution. It's got to be the price point. It's got to be durable and preferably portable. Oh, okay. Portability's a thing. Okay. Okay. So this hmm. is this is where I and, – and, and to be honest with you, I would like it to be preloaded with Linux so that way I'm supporting a Linux vendor. Right, right. Now, these are Boy. my requirements. Now – um, mm. 
I've looked at a lot of rigs. There's a lot of ways I could go. Base requirements uh, is I think I'd like it to be able to play Minecraft. So let's just say an Intel HD 5000 or better. Don't you think? Okay. Yeah, you, you definitely want to be future proof, and that's you know that's we're actually reasonably spec for uh, not just future proofing, yeah. but again for Minecraft and things of that. And sort. I don't think these requirements are too far out for probably a lot of dads and moms that are kind of like you know what my kid could use a computer, and I could see this six is maybe a little young, but I could see ranges. You know, uh, I could see a wide range that uh, of ages this would apply to. So uh, I just, but I don't know where to begin. I, oh boy! What do you, you know, I. What do you think, Matt? I mean, what uh, you had, uh, you know, you were taking care of your nephew for a while. What was he using? Right. Just a desktop? Well, so we. Yeah, we actually used a, um, we actually used an old laptop that I had. It was a uh, I had it installed. I think it was running one of the Arch variants, um, and I basically set it up to where first of all, open DNS all day long, especially as they get older, because um, your parental controls, all the other like software solutions, regardless of platform, are crap. Um, I'm a big big firm believer of open DNS because it actually works. So you do that at the router level. As far as the computer itself, he didn't really do much in the way of gaming on that particular rig outside of emulation. He did some emulator games um was perfectly happy with it plugged a controller in it was pretty straightforward he actually was figuring stuff out pretty quickly on his own um and never used linux previous to that and actually now prefers it Hmm. so you know as far as going forward with what your needs are though i think you're really wanting to definitely think long as far as future proofing so i definitely definitely don't want to buy one in for a few years yeah, right. So you really want to future-proof that out. Yeah. Um, and I'd like, the reason why I'd like portables, I'd like something maybe he could bring to the studio with him. But it doesn't have to be. And also, what what level of gaming would he be doing on that, too? Like, what you know, are you okay with something that's integrated, even as you know, the technology I continues to progress? I, I, so I, I mean, I'm thinking gaming is not a huge – I'm thinking Minecraft and stuff. I don't really – so yeah, when I, so when I think about this, I, I look at something that would be uh, – for, for a first user's experience, I want something that, like, it's going to be really easy to reload if he messes it up. So that right. way, you know, that the reload process is quick. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I went, I noticed you mentioned maybe two, get two computers. Is that what you said? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about this. So, uh, my, my other comment was, is don't get a tablet. Um, and the reason I think that is because I think if you give a child a tablet, they become consumers of, uh, content and games. Yeah. yeah. And that's what they're limited to. They're never going to challenge themselves to be producers of anything. So I think if you want to use this as an educational tool, it has to be a computer. Right, I agree. And I think that, um, you know, if you want a proper computer, you know, um, a laptop of some sort, then that's fine. You know, uh, a computer that you can sit down at and get stuff done and maybe in a couple of years is suitable for playing some games on. That's also good because kids do want to play games on their stuff. But the second computer that you absolutely should get is a Raspberry Pi 2 and get a couple of micro SD cards, set them both up and keep one spare. So when he experiments and screws it up, you can just swap hmm. in the second SD yeah. card and he can be up right. and running again that is and you a, that can is the pre- nice prepare the yeah. second one that's nice and a raspberry pi 2 in a case is um mobile you know he can just take that to wherever he needs to go and he can plug it into keyboards mice and monitors where um wherever he goes and he can run minecraft on it colonel linux you have a different take yeah, well, my thought is, if your son is anything like my son, he's going to some degree, to some degree, expect it to work out of the box, right? And so, I feel I, I completely agree with where Wimpy is coming from, and I hope I can only 
pray that my kid, when he gets older, wants to actually play with the internals of the computer. But at the moment, he's not really interested in doing that. He's just interested in 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 accomplishing a task. He wants to go to YouTube. He wants to watch his videos. He wants to play his games. And I would be somewhat. Uh, I would be somewhat afraid that right. if the Raspberry yeah. Pi didn't provide the experience he was looking for, he would not only write off the Raspberry Pi, but he would write off Linux. So that was that- my thought, too. My thought was the, the first computer is this is a computer that's fun. You can do it. Like there's nothing weird about this computer. This, just use it like a normal computer. Make using Linux the norm. Nothing different about it. And then as he starts to experiment, I, I love the idea of swapping in Pi's. Uh, as sort of like the uh, the computer where if something goes wrong, it's just an SD card swap away. That and also, high. if you've got the first computer, which is a Linux computer and it's a you know a, a proper desktop computer, that can be used. He can teach himself how he makes his SD card images and how he downloads the different you know versions that are available for the Raspberry mm-hmm. Pi to experiment with. You know, this is why you want two SD cards. So the Raspberry Pi is there for experimentation and learning. And, you yeah. know, if if he gets really um, interested and he, he totally fries it, then, OK, yeah. you're down thirty five dollars and you buy another one. Yeah. You know, that that's that's what they're they're really good for. I do and love it's, that. it's how I'm it's how I'm doing things at home. The Raspberry Pi for, you know, poking, prodding, putting fingers in uh, sticky sweets, yeah. all that sort of thing. And uh, proper computers for, you know, showing how to do, um, you know, more um, computer orientated mm-hmm. things. Uh, Colton, you had a question you wanted to bounce off me? Um, yeah, I think one thing that's uh, kind of, that in my it would be important for me, at least if I was going into a situation like this is what, you know, how much am I really willing to spend? Yes, yes, right. That is a big component. Thank you. I can't believe that really has been brought up until this point because it is a huge component. It's not a lot. You know, I mean, we, we, the original budget was like maybe a Nexus 9 kind of area was kind of what we were thinking. So, Right. So well, and if you're going from there, then, you know, how much like, – like, you know, if you want to go with a laptop, then, then are, are you going to be able to find a laptop that's in that price range that's going to do enough to, you know, keep him busy? Right, yeah. Uh, Akafi, you had uh, a point to make. Akate? Akati? Yeah, I I just think that... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I just think that, you know, when you look at costs, I mean, it's cheaper to go with a desktop. And, you know, later on, you can actually build out from that by, like, allowing them to open up the desktop and just kind of see what parts do what... Yeah, that I'm, sort of thing. I'm, I mean, that's how I started when I was a kid. Yeah, so. yeah, it is fun to be able to open it up and play around. I'm surprised though. I mean, like, what? How come nobody's really recommended the Nuck? Seems like, a, or the Meerkat from uh, from System seventy six. It seems like a, a decent rig. All right, I'll tell you, there is one machine. I'm holding all my. I'm not. I haven't put all my cards on the table. I do have one machine in mind. This is not a plug, but I did notice that uh, System seventy six uh, four days ago on their Google Plus page. So they have a Lemur 14-inch coming in early April. Uh, I'm not, like, super stoked about the resolution, 1366 by 768, but then again, he's not going to care. And if it's Intel yeah, graphics... Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah, <laughs> Intel yeah. graphics, you know, that might be better for Intel graphics, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, you and would. It's, so it's, it's, it's a lot like the Ultra Pro, the Galago Ultra Pro, but bigger. So, I think so here's the other... 14.1-inch screen. So I, and this I starts at 5.99, yeah. so this might be the way to go. 
Well, and here's the other component is well, now you going back to your iPad. I'm going to wager you've got OtterBox like protection around yeah, that thing. Yeah. I'm, okay. What's your What's your protection plan for a laptop? Because they don't make OtterBoxes for those that I know of. Anyway. Uh, um, yeah. Responsibility. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's a it's a big one. I mean, like my nephew who now he's 18 now, but when he was 17, it's like that laptop was. I mean, yeah, it was used, but it's like you, you break it, you bought it. That's it. You know, there's no. That's yeah, it. That's I know. all there was. It's very true. If I do end up getting this Lemur, though, I'll do a review for it on last as well. But okay. uh, I think, you know, I don't know. that. So I was kind of leaning towards Nuck or a laptop because a Nuck I could also yeah. just pick up and bring to the studio. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, the Bonobo would just be too heavy for him. You know, that's the nice thing it about this. Be, is yeah. It's uh, half the weight of the Bonobo. I don't know. Well, and I guess you get him a proper, uh, uh, like a good laptop bag. I mean, you know, real nice and padded and all that. That's got good reinforce uh, reinforcement there. I mean, he'd probably be fine with that. Before so. I pull the trigger, I'd like to hear the audience if, uh, from the audience. Have any of you picked up like any of these more recent Chromebooks and had a – just the Chromebook seems like a bad way to go because it's so yeah. easy to wipe them. But I would uh, I would like to uh, hear the audience's route. I'm leaning towards the System 76A. Because I'd like, if I'm going to spend the money, I'd like it to go towards the Linux ecosystem. B, I don't want to have to ever hassle with it when I reload. And C, I like System76. Yeah, yeah, they have the Meerkat too, but uh, so I don't think it'll be, sh- I don't know if it'll be shipping in time. It's going to be tight because this doesn't ship until uh, uh, like April something. So it's really, and his, his, birth, his birthday's like on the 14th. So it's really going to be a tight if I, if I can pull it off. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it might. Uh, yeah, yeah. Colonel Linux, you uh, you wanted to point out the packing it around something that the dad has to factor. Well, no, I'm just yeah. It's, so you're going to the studio. He's coming with dad. You're going to get some work done. Can you imagine when he's like, Dad, can I bring my computer? And you're like, No problem, son. Let me disassemble the LCD and the computer and grab a keyboard and a mouse <laughs> yes. and put yeah. it all into a bag. No, just get the Lamar. That, that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> I actually he nailed it. Yeah, I boy, he really painted that picture. Yeah. You know, by the time you're done of putting a solid state in that in that bad in that bad guy and you're buying him a, a you know decent keyboard and mouse and you buy the LCD you're probably into it for close to what the Lamar would be anyway yeah, and I'll pledge, a, I'll p- pledge a couple bucks towards getting Linux off, or get, getting Dylan off the apple juice <laughs> yeah I think having a solid desk, solid lit, solid uh, laptop that actually runs correctly the first time would be right yeah that's and what I, I think it's pronounced lemur Lamer, lamer. Yeah. Uh, Rotten Corpse tells me that uh, somebody from Kansas Linux Fest joined us uh, towards the end of the show oh. here. Uh, is that true? Yep, that's me. Well, I'm hey, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'd love to talk to you. Why don't we do that uh, here? Why don't I take a, I'll take a quick break and then we'll chat a little bit. Uh, so I'll let you guys know what I decided to do with uh, Dylan's laptop. Um, and then uh, I'll give you kind of a, a review of whatever I end up getting and how the whole deployment goes and his reaction to it. I mean, he's played with Linux before. On a, I've had it on a Chromebook for him for a little bit, but it always ends up going the wrong route. I also had it on an old HP laptop, but it keeps dying. So every time, every machine I've given him Linux on, it's kind of been a little bit of a rocky ride. And I, I don't think he's blamed Linux, but it's because Dad keeps giving him it on hardware that's like my secondary hand-me-downs. And, right, and right. so the end of all experiences, it's a, to him, these computers are things that work for a few days until the hardware craps out on them. And uh, so this <laughs> yeah. next time around, it's like for his birthday, and it's like, like, okay, let's get him on his own computer, and we'll see what happens. So I'll update you guys in the future. Well, and I think if you also have it preloaded with all his favorite stuff, you know, Minecraft yeah. set up and ready to go. I mean, it, because it's a birthday experience, I think that adds yeah. to the, wow, this is awesome, Dad. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, and the, sure. Meerkat, uh, the Meerkat comes out on the 26th. That might be a route to go, too. But see, then I have yeah. to do all the disconnecting and reconnecting every time. And that can mm-hmm. get old. Mm-hmm. 
Unless there was like a perfect Linux travel case he could bring. Nah, go hey, laptop. Yeah, I think so. Hey, Matt, uh, before we talk a little bit about Kansas Linux Fest, which I'm excited to hear about this new Linux Fest. First year they did it. Uh, let's mention Linux Academy. This will be this will be like Dylan's like eighth birthday present, right? I'll get him like a uh, like a uh, like a year of Linux Academy, and then he'll, then you'll really be off to the races. But you don't have to wait. You can start right now by going to linuxacademy.com/unplugged. Get our special 33% discount. Linux Academy is a great resource for our audience. Perfect for you guys. Built by Linux and open source enthusiasts and educators, developers, and system administrators. And Linux Academy has a whole bunch of courseware, and they're constantly improving that courseware retroactively and also adding new courseware. It's a really nice system. So when something brand new comes out in the Linux sphere that you need to learn about, you know Linux Academy is on top of it. I've uh, Since they've been a sponsor, I've really watched them jump on top of great new technologies and not just like have courseware on it, but truly deep understanding courseware that when you're done, you're really going to walk away feeling knowledgeable about it because they have real-world scenario labs. They have virtual machines that spin up. You choose from 7-plus Linux distributions. You go through the courseware. You actually work with the actual technology. You just SSH in from your desktop and start working on the rig. It's really a nice experience. And if you use, like, uh, you know, SSH with a little compression or something like that, it's really fast. It's, I mean, we all know that, right? But they know that, so they would they make it so that way their lab servers spin up, give you a public IP, you log into them, you set up the stuff. It's really cool. Um, and I think one of the things that, you know, I've struggled with when I was in IT, it's not really an issue for me anymore. Um, but there are sometimes like branches of technology that all of a sudden you just find yourself falling back into, oh, now all of a sudden I have to support uh, something that connects to Amazon S3 or something that uses Amazon's simple DNS or simple mailing service. I have no idea how to do that. Well, Linux Academy's got your back. You get access to all of the courseware. So if all of a sudden you find yourself having to worry about that, they got you covered. Or if you want to make sure your resume just looks a little bit better, they got you covered. In fact, I've been getting notes uh, from Anthony over there about some of the amazing things they have coming up. Like on April 16th, they're going to have a big content release, and you can watch it live, 9 p.m. Central, April 16th. That's really cool. But they've also, nice. from CompT, have been approved for quality content requirements, meaning that you can go take the uh, LPIC1 and Linux Plus exams after you've taken the courseware at Linux Academy and get your certification, and you're done. You're done. By going to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged, you'll get started right now. They've got courseware on Python, Ruby, Android development, backup, like using rsync. I mean, the whole spectrum. It's everything. And when you get to choose from 7 plus Linux distributions, you get to download the content offline and listen like a podcast. You can learn on the go and be productive while you're doing stuff. It's just a great solution for the people that have time constraints or free time. linuxacademy.com slash Unplugged. Go check it out. All right. Well, uh, Ryan, thanks for joining us. Uh, sort of last minute, I suppose. Uh, and uh, uh, tell tell me about like uh, what you did at Kansas Linux Fest and how it was. Okay. Well, uh, I was one of the original two organizers for Kansas Linux Fest. Great. And uh, we spent kind of the whole year planning it. Um, I've been living in Kansas for two years. I got a job as a Linux systems administrator over here. And uh, I want to thank you. I'm actually kind of nervous talking to you because uh, I was really getting into Linux. And uh, then I found your show. Oh, and cool. it really has been with me my entire journey, you know, uh, going from being somebody who knew very little about Linux and open source software to being a big advocate now and putting together events like Kansas Linux Fest. Well, what, what made you crazy enough to try to do a Linux Fest? I mean, that's pretty ambitious. Well, actually, I was just, it came from, uh, I was pissed, actually, because <laughs> I, I got into town, and uh, in I live in Lawrence, Kansas, which um, is uh, at home to the University of Kansas, and uh, there was no active Linux user group in town, 
And that drove me crazy. I could find like six web pages of old Linux user groups that had died out. Uh, but I, I was like, where am I going to go? I'm, I'm this geeky guy and I want to talk to geeky people who, who love open source. And so I decided to just start my own Linux user group. Uh, about the same time, I met this guy, Mike DuPont, and he is brilliant. Hmm. And he was uh, actually putting um, Open Kansas. Uh, it's OpenKansas.us. Yeah. It's a group that is in Kansas that's promoting open knowledge, um, open source software, uh, and, uh, and Linux. And uh, he said, hey, I've been thinking about putting together an open source conference. You know, you're head of the Linux, uh, Lawrence Linux user group. Do you want to help me out? And I was like, yes, of course I do. Um, the funny thing was we really only expected about 30 people to show up. 20? Uh, 20, you say? 30, oh, 30, 30, 20 to yeah. 30. We yeah, didn't okay. expect that many people. We thought yeah. we'd have our speakers and then maybe an additional 10 or 20 people. We ended up, we counted it up after the event. We ended up getting around 200 people. Uh, so we really, that really shattered our expectations. That's great. Yeah, not to mention we, uh, we had Rackspace, who came on as a sponsor. Uh, we had... Uh, we had uh, many local places, Cal testing. They do end of year uh, uh, assessment software for like student testing for a whole bunch of states. Uh, we had, um, I don't want to leave anybody out, but I know I'm going to. We had our local, one of our local ISPs. Uh, we had, unfortunately, we, some people kind of didn't get on board until it was too late. Um, so we didn't really have time to put things together with them. Uh, fortunately, uh, Linux Pro Magazine came on, and they they provided a whole bunch of uh, the, their magazines for free. Cool. And uh, uh, actually, it's funny because uh, uh, you talked about Linux Academy, and they're actually based out of Lee Summit, which is right next to Kansas City, mm. and we're right on that east side of Kansas where the fest was at. And so we asked them to come. Unfortunately. I didn't realize they were that close until a couple of weeks before the event. So they said, <laughs> no, we're not going to make it this year, but we'll, we'll be there next year. Cool. Um, so I'm going to try and hold them to that. Uh, but we had a, a lot of um, interest from people like uh, Ricky Ensley, if you guys know about her. She's mm -hmm. from Lawrence. And she's actually part of what inspired me to start the Linux uh, Lawrence Linux user group here in Kansas because I went to LinuxCon 2013, which was in New Orleans. And uh, while I was down there, I ran into her as well as three other people from Lawrence. And I'd never met them before. I said, why did it take us coming down to New Orleans to meet and uh, and network like this? I said, we need to do something back home. And and so that's where that's where this effort came from. So and you're crazy enough to do it again next year, it sounds like. Absolutely. I actually am so glad that you said that because you, our biggest sponsor was individuals walking in the door. Mm. We made over $2,000 from individual sponsors coming in and, and making donations. That's great. Uh, and I think, you know, I like to watch these things because I, I've noticed these, the, even this, actually some of the, the events, you know, when there are a couple of hundred people are really Really perfect. It's a, it's a sweet spot where the crowd's small enough that everybody's really nice to each other because they keep bumping into each other, and you know you actually start conversations and uh, uh, some actual things can happen in, in in communities. It's really neat. Um, 
the en- the energy level. I just want to say the energy yeah. level was so high and the engagement was so high. I've never seen that. At, I've been to quite a few open source um, right. conferences at spot. this point. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we had big speakers. You know, we had um, the one of the guys over at uh, Twitter's open source. Um, uh, I don't remember exactly what it is. Their open source outreach group or whatever. And uh, we had uh, a guy from Oracle come in and give and give a talk about you know kind of what they're doing in open source. And uh, we just had so many awesome speakers. And I, if you guys can, you know, I, I I tried to put as much as I could on my blog, um, which I posted in the chat, and I'll post it again. Uh, it, it, but it, and maybe we can get it in the show notes mm-hmm. if, yep. if you putting that I in. Might there. Already I might I tried it. to put as awesome. Well, I tried to put as much as I could in there about who was there and and what we did, and it was just it was just super awesome. And it's really it's really great because it's building communities on top of the community that we that we built there. Uh, there were the Wichita, which is uh, a pretty big city here in in uh, Kansas. There were. There was a guy who stood up at the beginning and he said, I'm so happy you put this together. I'm the uh, president of our Linux user group down in Wichita. And he said, you know, and he kind of went through his whole spiel about what they were doing. And then another guy stood up and he said, I'm president of a Linux user group down in Wichita, too. And I had no idea there was another one in town. (laughs) We need to get together and do some stuff. And so it was a lot of interactions like that that really, I think, built the community and we had an after party where unfortunately I got really, really drunk. So I don't remember all of it, but the, but there was a a point when uh, one guy was telling me, he says, I've been living in a bubble. He's like, I didn't know there were all these people around me who were interested in the same thing. And you you discover that when you show up and you you, like, or like around here, if you go to meetup.com, you discover that's uh, the same thing. Uh, uh, Ryan, uh, a coffee has a, a uh, has a, a coffee has a question for you. Go ahead, uh, Akati, a a a Yeah, I was just wondering uh, what was your cost of entry this year. Oh boy. Um, well, a lot of it came out of pocket, and I really want to thank Mike. Uh, he's such an, a phenomenal guy. I think he spent over a thousand dollars just out of pocket costs. Of he getting- might have meant entry to the fest. Oh, there was no end, no no cost of entry. You didn't have to sign up. You could just so we could keep track of who was who was there. But uh, that's actually why we don't have firm numbers. Um, right, right, yeah. You, we 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 didn't want to prevent anybody from coming just because they didn't sign up or they didn't have the money. And so we we told everybody come in. We're completely open. Um, and and so there was no cost of entry. Only if you wanted to donate, and and if you donated, we had some swag to give you. You know, just for cool. as a little bit of yeah. love and giving back. Thanks. And so, uh, but yeah, just going back to that, you know, definitely want to thank Mike. He put so much. You know, he was my other organizer. Yeah, we tried to pull pull as many people in, but I don't think many people took us seriously. Until like a week before the conference started, yeah, uh, and then people started. We had we had all sorts of companies reaching out to us at that point, and we had a couple of speakers saying like, "I want a part of it." And at that point, it was really hard to get yeah. anybody else fit in. But yeah. I'm hoping that because we've had so many people reach out to us, that next year we'll be able to incorporate yeah. more speakers and yeah. more sponsors. And and I would and say. I, you know, as it gets like, you know, you, as you get to the uh, month. I would or, definitely go to that next year. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just let people know. If you get to the month or two point out, you know, we can start helping spread the words. So people can make plans to attend. 
Well, awesome. And uh, Chris, mm -hmm. uh, we'd love to fly you down and have <laughs> you be a part of the event. Oh, you know? okay, sure. <laughs> wow. Maybe I, you never know. I'm not joking. You never know. This is a good time. Is it, you never know. Maybe Kansas City is growing. Yeah, maybe I will. You just Fiber. Have, Fiber's down there. You just have to uh, hit me up uh, a little while beforehand uh, next next year, and uh, you just never know. Because I do want to attend right. more. Can I can I plug a couple things real quick? Yeah, sure. So that. All right, so for those of you who feel like you're in a bubble out in the middle of the Midwest in Missouri, <laughs> Kansas, or Nebraska, um, feel free to check out Kansas, uh, KansasLinuxFest.us or OpenKansas.us, or just reach out to me, uh, 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 and I'll, put, I'll try to give my information to Chris, um, or follow me on Twitter, Ryan Lee Sipes, and just I try to post as much as I can about what's going on in the Midwest as far as Linux and open source is concerned. And I'd love to help anybody who feels like they're they're a lonely geek uh, find a community here in the Midwest to be a part of and contribute to. That's great. Yeah, and, and if you feel like I I know that feeling, and uh, it's not true. There are others out there. You can find them. You're not alone. You're not alone. Yeah. Uh, all right. Very good. So uh, I think we'll wrap it there. I I had a discussion piece around. It's so good to know. <laughs> feel so much better now. I had a discussion piece around uh, distribution coverage, but you know I can bump that to a future episode because uh, I liked uh, getting some coverage there of uh, the Kansas Linux Fest. I just love these Linux Fests. They're so much fun. Oh. Also, I'd like to point out that I contribute to Evolve OS and it hasn't gotten some play on here really that much yet, Chris. You're right. So you're right. If you could, uh, <laughs> I can right. hook you up with all the developers and, and we yeah. can talk about that All right. You know what? You we, should, we should probably get an Evolve OS dev on the show here and, and talk to him and see what's up because you're right. It is something we have not given a lot of time to, which was the topic of our discussion piece. Uh, and that's a little teaser, I guess. You know what? I'll try to remember to put it in next week's episode because it's, you know, we're getting, boy, I don't know if we want to start another 20-minute conversation at this point in the show, Matt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like we should probably save it for next week. but It might be worthwhile. I guess maybe I'll, here, I'll, I'll tease the topic and then maybe you can join us next week and oh, this, we should do this more often, actually. Now that I think about it, I should, why don't I always do this? Uh, okay. Because so, I don't always know what the topic's going to be. That's why. Yeah, I know my I know the, I know that. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk next week about the amount of coverage we've given to certain distributions, uh, specifically Arch and Fedora and Ubuntu in comparison to other distributions like Evolve OS, uh, Mandriva, Mint, yeah. and OpenSUSE. And uh, I, part of it is because uh, my sense and, uh, uh, and the production staff sense and Matt's sense of where the interest lies in the audience, part of that is our own internal interest and part of that is the relevance that we suss those distributions to have. All of those factor into what we cover. But I think it's always worth reevaluating that because things change over time. And uh, that would be a discussion I'd like to have next week, um, not to do too much navel-gazing, but really to kind of to say, what, what are things that are truly distinguishing about these distributions that deserve our attention? What should we be focusing on? And are we focusing too much on the wrong thing? Uh, so that's a conversation I'd like to have with our lug next week in episode 86 of Linux Unplugged. So uh, join us. We do the show live over at jblive.tv on Tuesdays. Specific time, 2 p.m., uh, but if you go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar, you can get that converted to your local time zone. We've got robots, and the only thing they do is patiently wait to convert that. But I pay them in frickin' Bitcoin by the hour. So go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. You can add it to your own calendar. Also, send us your feedback. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. And then, you might not have known about this, but we have a subreddit. Who knew, right? LinuxActionShow.reddit.com makes this show better. Submit topic ideas. There's feedback threads. Uh, and usually Unplugged doesn't get much love because you guys are uh, apparently 
just not very very talkative about Linux Unplugged in there. But there is, well, actually, last week we got it quite a bit. But there is a discussion thread in there for every episode of Linux Unplugged. And uh, also stories and uh, apps and all kinds of stuff that get linked there make their way into this show and Linux Unplugged. Love for life. That's right. That's right. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks to the Mumble Room. Matt, have yourself a great week. I saw that there is a, a new episode of Married and Amused out, which... Yeah, after a bit of a hiatus, we're back. Uh, basically, we had a, a, a bit of a, it's a little bit of a home illness kind of thing going on there for a while. It but happens, we're back man. And, it happens. Yeah, it happens. And uh, it looks sure. like a good game. looked funny, too. I, I watched a little bit of the intro, and it had me laughing. So, <laughs> that's yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and uh, anywhere you want to send folks throughout the week? Uh, as always, um, if you want to just kind of keep up in general uh, articles to video games to whatnot, uh, matthartley.com. Subscribe in any really? one of the uh, options available. That's Email great. to social media. That's Just put it all in one spot. That's a great idea. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. See you right back here next Tuesday. <laughs> true it's better than married and abused that would not be a good show yeah that's a that, that's a private show <laughs> <laughs> that's usually when it's on in the doghouse and i did something stupid no. <laughs> married and abused that's very true yes yes all right well that was a fun show thanks you guys yeah. uh we uh we had a light turnout during the pre-show and then it really filled out during the show which is awesome ryan thanks for uh making it in here at the end we gave a little we had a little chat about uh kansas linux fest towards the top and i think i got your blog post already in the show notes Oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I'm sorry I missed it. I'm I'm actually at work, and I thought, man, I really need to get in here and, and plug Kansas Linux Fest yeah, you before did good. everybody's forgotten about it. Was it was good work. It was good work. You jumped on it. It was nice. Uh, yeah. All right, jbtitles.com. Let's boat this sucker. Let's boat it up, boat, 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 boat it up. So yeah, have you guys noticed that uh, since the day it was announced that BQ may have uh, GPL compliance issues, Popey hasn't showed up? Hmm? Coincidence? <laughs> I think not! I think um, Popey's recording another show this evening. Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry yeah. to... Uh, it's all right. I, I tease. I tease. But come on, Wimpy. It's a much better he's conspiracy. Yeah, it's... Yeah. We've got to keep up our blame, so Popey. We can, um, yeah. Yeah. What we ought to yeah, do is we ought to live noodles. stream... You know what we should do? We should live stream the show he's doing right now, so that way we could uh, boost their audience for them. <laughs> Here's my question. Can I ask a question? Of, yeah. uh, I, for This is for Ubuntu people who might be listening to this. Where is my phone for North America? That's what I want to know. I know. I I'll want buy that. one. I just, I just need you guys to, you know, get that, get that to me. No, I think I'm getting. I an would S6. totally say the same thing. I think I'm getting an S6. I mean, I might get the ULs or whatever it is when it comes out, but I think I'm getting the S6. Well, I want that Maizu phone, the MX. Yeah, yeah Maizu, that's what it is. Yeah, but it doesn't have the. Uh, I guess it doesn't have the bands for the U.S. So, what do you guys? So, uh, so there's uh, there's several different suggestions these days to uh, sort of get the entire last catalog online. The uh, tried and true one would be archive.org. Of course, there's sync thing is also uh, possible, um, and uh, also get annex could be a possibility. So, uh, do you guys have any thoughts of like a way to do a massive online archive? 
Well, I have one idea, although it's a little retro. What's that? You get yourself these red envelopes. Yeah, I know. And right? then you mail out these CDs. <laughs> and just charge. I'll just put them on <laughs> disc, and I'll just you charge. You could do it on subscription. 50 bucks for it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I have uh, something that sort of plays into the education thing. My, my school district is, like, extremely anti-Unix, especially lately. Like, like they want nothing to do with anything that's not Windows. Like, a few years ago, all of the school websites were, like, powered by WordPress on Apache servers and on, like, Linux Apache servers. And now they're all running on IIS servers and they're all static web pages. Ouch. Which is terrible Ugh. in the first place. I have no idea why they're doing that. But, and then, and then like, also the... Um, like we had, we have like several hundred Macs that used to be like, like, you know, just like a couple months ago, they were all running like Mavericks or whatever. And then this school district just, just decided that they didn't want it to be running Mavericks anymore. So they blew all of them away and installed windows seven on them. <laughs> nice. Oh, isn't wow. that? Oh, I hope they're using group policy and Active Directory. Oh, oh I hope yes, they are. Oh, they are. And the other thing is, <laughs> none of the they the, the group policy they have set up does not like it doesn't force them to install updates, and First none time. of the teachers okay. bother doing it. So every computer in our school is still vulnerable to that exploit oh, that good. was talked about on on Coder Radio. Oh, like, good. A few months ago. That's fantastic. So before everybody runs off, I kind of wanted to talk about that and just elaborate, but I'll make it really brief. The The place that changes, guys, is is not so much with the teacher itself, but with the the staff, you know, the tech staff of like the school or, or even at the board, the school board. Here in Lawrence, you know, we had to go, we tried to go through the board of education or not the board of education, but the school board uh, to try and get you know, some Linux machines into school and get open for document, you know, formats being used. And uh, I work for the library system here at the at the uh, regional level. And, uh, you know, when we want to get something into a library, a lot of it comes down to convincing, you mm-hmm. know, the other tech guys. And then ultimately also showing how it saves money and how it, you know, is, is a better solution. Yeah. And it can be done, but it has to be yeah. done from that point of yeah. view because you're trying to convince people who yeah. are like, why can't we just stick with what we have? And no. You, the thing is, ahead. though, I totally get that it's, it, it, it is more with the administration that that has to change because, like, my, my, uh, my teacher – like, the teacher in my school that does all the computer stuff, uh, he actually instructed me to install Ubuntu on one computer just because he wanted to mess with it and try it out. The first time that someone, like a higher-up from the IT department, came in the room and noticed Ubuntu running on that computer, they they got, like, super pissy. And they were like, yeah. you know, that computer should be running Windows 7. And, I, like, the computer was... Colton. And that's the thing. The computer was too old to actually run Windows 7. All it could run was Windows XP. And so Colton. I had installed Ubuntu on it, and and mm. the the IT administrator Yikes. did not like that. Oh boy, Colton, you you change a network one funeral at a time. <laughs> that's that's true.